Uh, today we're talking about dreams. And I want, you, I, want, I want you to focus on that for just a moment. Realize that you could look at your own life and say the same things. What can God do with this little bit that I have to offer? I mean, my little bit that I have to offer is not a whole lot. What could God, could God really do much with that? Well, we've been talking about our dream scriptures. And, uh, and if you're interested in really knowing what Church 2911 Dream is all about, well, we've been trying to tell you the last few weeks, wrapping that up today, we talked about God's sovereignty and, and the fact that he's chosen us and that he brings us blessings of peace and strength. And today we're talking about the dream. This is the if, this is the then. If you want to get to the blessings of peace and strength and you want to get to the dream that God has for you, first of all, you've got to start over here. You've got to recognize that he's sovereign and you've got to accept the fact that he's chosen you. And then you've got to be receptive to that selection and say, okay, God, here I am. You've chosen me. I'm ready. Let's connect right here. It's this relationship right here that gets you these blessings of peace and strength. If you don't have relationship, you don't get this stuff. You don't get the dream. You got to have this first. So we've talked about this. And so now last week and this week, we got to talk about the good stuff. But if you hadn't dealt with this part yet, you can't get over here yet. God has a big dream for you. Everybody say, God has a big dream for me. Everybody say that. For me, God has a big dream for, for every one of us. He's not just dreaming this big corporate dream. I mean, yeah, he does want all of us to be in heaven, but he's actually got a dream for you right now here in 2010, something he wants to fulfill in you, something he wants to give to you. So let's, let's look to our dream scripture, Jeremiah 29 and 11. And let's, look, let's read this one together. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, or, you know, that's another word, therefore, dreams. God knows the dreams. That's what we're thinking about this. He said, I know. I know the thoughts I think towards you. Sometimes we wonder if God's even thinking about us. But, but those first few words there, those first three words, for I know. For I know. What, what God is saying is, this didn't occur to me yesterday. I've been thinking about you. I've got you on my, come on, think about that. God's been thinking about you. He's had you on his mind. He's, he's, been, he's been concerned about you. And you know when this was written? About 3,000 years ago. He's had you on his mind for 3,000 years. He's been thinking about you. He's got dreams in his, in his mind about who you could be and, and what you could grow up to become. You know, he's got dreams about what Megan's uh, you know, uh, major might be in college. But he's got bigger dreams than that. He has been dreaming. He's been thinking about you. And he says, I know the thoughts. I'm, it's not just occurring me today, to me today. Oh, you came on the dream day that the pastor's preaching on dream. I better get a dream for you. No, God says, I know. I've been thinking about you. I've had you on my mind. I'm, I've got big dreams for you. Plan for a future. Plan for hope. A lot of singles uh, in our church and a lot of unmarried. God's got a future. Let me, uh, if you didn't go listen, I told you to go listen to podcasts the last nine. If you weren't at the nine a.m. service, I told you to go listen to that. If you didn't, then you need to go back and listen to it again. And you can go back and, and check out the very end, especially that very last ten minutes. Probably you need to hear a message that I spoke to you about. But God's got a plan for you. And listen, sometimes we mess up that plan with a whole lot of stuff. We mess it up with our sin. We mess it up with our our ideas. Sometimes we mess it up with our small minded, our own little our own little dreams and things that we allow to get in the way. And sometimes we mess it up with the friends that we have. Sometimes we mess it up with the people we marry. <clears throat> I know you couldn't say amen if you were married and sitting by your spouse. Uh, but sometimes you could have said amen about other people do that, right? I mean, you made a great decision, right? But sometimes we mess it up with those kinds. We mess it up with our financial decisions. We mess it up with places we go, things we do, all kinds of stuff we bring into our life. We mess all that up. But you know what? 
even though we can mess all that up, God's dreams, I mean, his plans, his promises, all those things are forever. There is nothing that God can't fix. Any mistake you've made, God can still fix. Any roadblock or, or, or thing that you've put in the way of what God wants to do in your life originally, God can still fix that and he can make because he's always known the thoughts, the, the things that he's been planning for your life, the dream that he has for you. He's always known that and he can fix that no matter what's happened, no matter how many mistakes, how much trouble. And, and you know, but that doesn't mean you ought to keep going the way you're going and God can fix it later. It means right now let's go ahead and take advantage of the dream. I want you to pray with me and let's let God speak to us. We're going to Caleb again. Remember, Caleb's uh, the guy we've been using. We've preached on this before, but for this series, we've been using Caleb. And we'll go back to the story of Caleb. We'll show you three things from his life. And we'll talk about the dream because I want you to get the dream in your life. I want you to get not just any dream. We're not talking about the American dream or anybody else's dream, not your mama's dream, not your grandmama's dream. We're talking about God's dream for your life. You need God's dream in your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for to allow us to celebrate Megan today. And and uh, the accomplishment there, God, and, and to just just throw our, our shoulders back and our chest out and, and, uh, and be proud, God, of one of ours, Lord. And thank you, God, for all that you're doing through her, God, the sweet, beautiful lady she's becoming, God. And just pray, God, that you continue to do that. And, Lord, every one of us, we're in the same place. God, we're, we're in a different kind of a school today, Lord. We're learning things that we didn't know we needed to learn. And God, uh, we're making mistakes, but God, you're helping us through those mistakes. And Lord, it, what, that, those things aren't important. A, a bad grade here or there or a tough time with a teacher here or there, those things aren't important. What's important is that we finish. What's important is that we get to the dream. What's important is that we get to the place, God, that you have, you've desired for us to be, that you've been dreaming about for 3,000 years, God, and even longer. You've been dreaming for my life. And God, I ask you for that, for every one of us today, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Okay. So we got to get the dream in your life because that's, that's the whole church 29, 11 dream is, is we look out here and we see people not living the dream and God's got a big dream for everybody out here. And we want to help people get to that dream. So how do we help you get to that dream? What is it that you're going to need to do to, to get to the dream, to have the dream in your life? Come on. You know, I, I, I could just stop right here and I could embarrass a few of you right now, you know, cause I know some of you. Some of you shared some intimate details with me about mistakes you made and stuff. I, you know, you know, don't get worried. Pastor's not going to do something like that. But I mean, I, I could, you know. But you know what? We got to do. We got to wear this mask, don't we? Talked about this mask last week a little bit. We got to wear this mask that everything's fine, everything's perfect, and we're living the dream. And we're not living the dream. You know, I want you. If you put that mask back on when service was over last Sunday, I want you to take it back off. We need to take the mask off, and we need to just be honest today that we're not living the dream. We've messed up the dream. We've, we've fouled it up royally. I mean, it's, it's just a mess laying at our feet, all crumpled. And then we wonder, is there a dream still left in the middle of all this junk? But God can come in with his big old pooper scooper and fix up all the junk that you've been messing up all of your life and turn it all back around, and he can still make the dream happen. And some of you right now need to say, that's what I need in my I need a big God. I don't need, I don't need the little puny God that I see some, some churches say they believe in. I need a big God. I need the God of this Bible. I need the God of the Word. I need the God who is able, the God who created this universe to come back into my life and fix this big old mess that I've been making. Somebody needs to say that, and if you're not shouting it out loud, at least shout it in your spirit, I need the big God to show up and bring the dream to pass in my life again. 
We need that. Okay, how are we going to do that? Okay, first of all, you need to be rehearsing the dream, okay? If you want, if you want the dream, you've got to start rehearsing it. Some of you, you don't rehearse it. I, I don't hear you talk. You know what I hear people talk about? I hear people talk about the negative. I hear people talk about the mistakes they made. Oh, woe is me. You know, some of you ought to be on Hee Haw. If you don't know that old show, ask me about it later. I'll tell you, you know, and you just need, you know, you just want to get together with a bunch of your friends, say gloom, despair, and agony on me. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. You know what? You need to quit rehearsing that. And you need to start rehearsing your future, your dream, what God, you need to start rehearsing that out loud, speaking, this is what's going to happen. This is what God said he's going to do. These are the things. And Caleb was one who rehearsed the dream. He had to, he had to wait 45 years after his promise until he got his promise. You know how old 45 years is? It's two lifetimes for some of you, isn't it? 45 years is how long he waited on his promise. Man, that just made me feel old to realize that's two of some of your lifetimes. But that's how long he had to wait. And while he was waiting on this, you know what he had to do? He had to rehearse the dream. He had to rehearse the promise. He had to keep saying it. He had to keep repeating it. Look, let's go to our scripture right here and remind us. Now, the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Javuna, this is our guy here, he said, you know what the Lord said. He said, he's reminding him right now. He's even reminding Joshua. Joshua heard this, but 45 years later, he's even reminding Joshua. Joshua, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever. Stop right there. That, that, that part right there, those three lines. The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever. That's the promise, the promise he got when he was 40 years old. And, and, and listen, do you see the words there? He's saying, this is what God said. Now, if you don't think about something for 45 years, you're not going to remember what was said. I mean, some of you can't even remember what was said at the breakfast table this morning, right? Amen, oh me, whatever, getting old or whatever those things. You can't even remember what was said yesterday. And he's remembering what was said 40. Why do you think he's remembering what was said 45 years? Because he's been repeating it and remembering it and rehearsing it and telling somebody. Because this is his promise. The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children. This is about my kids. I can't, I can't let this go. This is about my grandkids, grandkids to come. This is about great grandkids of the Lord tarries. I can't let this go. And so he's repeating it. He's rehearsing it. He's reminding everybody about it because you have wholly followed the Lord, my God. You have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly because that. So he had, he had to repeat it over all these years. He'd been repeating it. He'd been reciting it. He'd been telling his kids. He'd been reminding his spouse. He'd been maybe even telling, telling his dad or something. He said, Hey, this is what God's going to do for our family. And so when we get over there at promised land, this is what, and he had been repeating it, rehearsing it and retelling it. Do you know something you've got to do before you can rehearse? You got to learn your lines before you can rehearse them, don't you? I mean, if you're going to rehearse something, if, if you know, Jamie's got her praise team coming together this afternoon, if they, they're not coming together, y'all don't, that wasn't an announcement, okay? Y'all don't be here this afternoon. But if she were to have a, a rehearsal this afternoon, they, they need to come in and they need to know their lines. They need to know the words of the song. They need to know what chords. They need to know what the songs are. Before you rehearse something, you got to know what it is. And that's the first thing that you and I need to do. We need to know what the dream is. Do you even know? What, ask you that question. Do you even know what the dream is? In your life. Do you know what the dream is that God has for you? I mean, have you had that moment that uh, we, we call it those epiphanies? You know, have you had that epiphany? 
epiphany moment where, where you just realize, hey, this is what God wants to do for me. Let me tell you where you get that. You don't get that in a crowded room. We're not going to get that here. I'm not going to be able to go around and tell each one of you, this is God's dream for your life. This is God. Even if we had time for me to do that, that's not God's will. God doesn't want to talk to you through me. He did that in the Old Testament, but he didn't want to do that anymore. Remember, he tore the veil in two. He said, no, I'm tired of being separated from them by a big old veil, a big old curtain, and a, and a bunch of people. He said, I want to talk to them individually. And so you look, look, look in the scripture and tell me, where is it that people received their direction from God, their great vision, the dream, what God wanted them to do? Noah built a boat. Where did he hear that? He wasn't at a ball game with a whole lot of people. You know, and everybody's shouting in his ear. You know, Abram, I want you to I want you to leave your home that you, you everything that you've known since you've grown up, and I want you to go to another land because I've got this beautiful land for you. Where did he hear that? You hear and you receive the direction, the vision from God, and you find out what the dream is from God when you spend time alone with Him. It's got to be in alone. And so, listen, I mean, that's that's one of the reasons nobody know, even knows what the dream is today. We don't have time to be with God, do we? I mean, we we're Wake up in the morning, run out the door. We're running all week long, all day long, all week long, and, you know, running back in, you know, and got to do everything that and, at night, you know, that we can get done before we go back to work the next day. We're running, 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 running. We don't have time for God. I mean, if we can, maybe we'll squeeze him in. We'll, we'll you know, pull out our word, you know, and flip through. And, you know, you got to, don't do those late night snacks. Remember we preached about those last last summer, you know? You, got, you can't do those things. You got, you got to dig into the Word. You got to get some. If you want to know what the dream is, you're going to have to find a way to spend some time with God so that God can say, this is what I'm dreaming for you. Oh, that God would let you know. I, I pray this morning that God will let you know what the dream is that He has for your life. He has something big. Uh, yeah, that, that's another key word there. He has something big. Everybody say big. Turn person next to you and say, it's big. To be Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Turn to the person next to you and say, your, your thoughts aren't God's thoughts. The way you're thinking is not the way God is thinking. How many of you got married like we did and you thought, man, everything's just going to be perfect from now on? You know, God's not that stupid. <laughs> but you know what? I, also, God, even, even as good as we thought it was going to be, God knows it can be even greater. I mean, his thoughts are even greater. He says, your thoughts are not my thoughts, neither your ways. My ways, declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth. How high are the heavens? They're unattainable to me. I've never reached the heavens. I mean, we spend millions of dollars just to get people up to them a little bit, right? In a space shuttle. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says, what I'm thinking about you, what I'm dreaming for you is so much bigger than anything you've ever imagined. And some of you, some of you right now, man, I'm, I'm, I believe I'm seeing it in your eyes. I believe that's what I'm reading in your eyes is you're thinking, I, I just don't know. And you're, you're wondering is maybe, maybe I've already messed up too much and there's just no way and you're maybe the the light's just about to come on go ahead let the light come on and realize that god has a bigger dream for you than you are at you're thinking that there's too much already happened you've already made too many mistakes people around you've already messed up your life way too much you need to go ahead and hear what god is saying his thoughts are he doesn't think the same way you do he doesn't think the way the people around you think his ways are higher than your ways he is dreaming a great big dream for you you just need to decide to go ahead and 
and accept this dream and find out what it is from God. Hang on to it. Rehearse it every day. Speak it every day. Tell your kids about it. If you're married, tell your spouse. If you're not married, tell your boyfriend, your girlfriend about it. Say, hey, this is the dream God is dreaming for me. And if this is not the dream that you want, are you listening to me, single folks? If this is not the dream you want to be a part of, then we need to find somebody else to date because this is the dream God. You need to be rehearsing it, repeating it, remembering it, stating it over and over. And let me tell you somebody else that needs to hear it. You need to hear it because you need to not forget it. But the devil also needs to hear you say it. He needs to make sh- he needs to know. You need to make sure he knows that you haven't forgotten that God has this big, huge, beautiful, wonderful dream for your life. And there's nothing he can do. You can stop it, but there's nothing the devil can do to stop God's dream from happening in your life. Amen? You need to be rehearsing it. You need to be saying it. You need to be repeating it. You need to be remembering it. Okay, but secondly... You also need to be preparing for it. Now, you might think that preparing for it is the same thing as rehearsing it. No, it's not. Rehearsal and preparation are not the same thing. You can go to rehearsal unprepared. Y'all don't ever do that. Praise team doesn't ever do that, do you? No, band, y'all don't ever do that. You can go to rehearsal unprepared, leave your music at home and all that kind of... Preparing is not the same thing as rehearsing. Preparing is not the same thing as remembering. You can remember sitting on, sitting on the couch watching a football game. You can remember something. That's not preparing for it, just remembering. You can remember that, you know, sitting there watching a football game, that you, you've got something you were supposed to do that afternoon. But that's not preparing for it. This guy, Caleb, prepared for it. Go back to our scripture. Now then, this is Caleb speaking still. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. Say 85. How old is that? Boy, how many lifetimes is that now for some of you? Uh-huh. Think about that. That's about four for some. That's more, than, that's more than four for Megan. That's almost five lifetimes for Megan, isn't it? Man, man, I'm feeling older and older. This thing goes on. He's 85 years old, and what is, it, what is the next thing out of his mouth? He says, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. I am still as strong. 85 years old, I am still as strong. I don't think I'm going to be able to say that, Jeff. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to say at 85, I'm still as strong as I was at 40. I'm going to have to have some, I'm going to have to have some miracle help. But can I ask you, how did that happen? You know, what our attitude is God's just going to bless us with it. Oh, he had to go in and win and win this, this hill country. And so God must have just given him a supernatural strength. That's not what it says here. He's not saying that God will move upon me like he did uh, maybe David with the sling. That God will move on me like he did Samson with a supernatural. That's not what he said. He said, I am as strong. He's saying, I'm strong right now. Do you know what was going on for the last 45 years? He had this vision of a promise that God had made for him. There's a hill country out there that's got my name on it. And as soon as all these other people get out of God's way, God's going to give me my hill country. But living in that hill country are some giants. And I'm going to have to run those giants off. You know what he was doing for 45 years? Y'all seen any of those movies? You know, like uh, like one I was thinking about this week when I was thinking about this and this guy. I was thinking about Shogun. You remember? Oh, not Shogun. I'm sorry. Uh, it's the Shogun, but it's a... The, the Last Samurai. You remember The Last Samurai? You see that movie? And you see that, wh- what are they doing? Getting ready for, how did they get ready for battle? I mean, they were out there with the sticks. I mean, they're knocking and beating each other half to death with the sticks, you know? And I mean, they don't even have sharp swords on. And can you imagine an 85-year-old man, just get this picture. I mean, for 45 years, he's, call, he's calling little, 
20-year-olds out, you know. He said, hey, hey, grab your spear. Come on out here. Come on, we got, we got to go to battle. And, and he was sparring with these guys. Why? Because he had a battle to face. He had a giant to face. He had something he had to run out. And what, what was he doing? He was keeping himself agile. He was keeping himself sharp. He was keeping himself ready because he knew one day a battle. He was getting himself. What are you doing to prepare? Come on, think about it. What are you doing to prepare? If you're sitting on the couch, sipping iced tea and changing the channels, you are not getting ready to receive your dream. Spiritually speaking, if you're a couch potato you are not getting ready to receive your dream there needs to be some battle going on there needs to be some preparation going on you need to be pumping up i said in the in the 9 a.m service you know every once in a while i'll see a guy you know about my age on tv that you know they tell you you know you buy this pill and you can look like this guy you know and he's got those ripples you know six packs and all that you know and he's buffed up and you know his shoulders are thick you know and and all that and and you say man I'd like to look like that and then but you know that you know that pill ain't gonna do it so you don't even try, try the pill and so you start thinking about what it's gonna take and how many sit ups and how many push ups and how much weight how many times to the gym and maybe running and all that and then you just go back to the refrigerator and get a little bit more iced tea and go back to the couch right and that's what we do and spiritually speaking we're doing the same thing we say. We want our dream, but instead of, instead of doing what is necessary, instead of getting in His Word, remember, remember, get in His Word so that we can hear from Him what is His dream for us, instead of getting in His Word, and instead of digging, and instead of praying down uh, the power of God into our lives and all around us, instead of doing that, what do we do spiritually? We just go back to the refrigerator for a little bit of nourishment. We do the same thing. We're doing this on Sunday, every Sunday. This is, this is the state of the contemporary Christian church, is we show up on a Sunday, we expect the pastor to preach it on and then God's just going to drop it in our laps and we're going to have, man, all of a sudden we're going to have spiritual six-pack abs, you know. All of a sudden, man, we're going to be pumped. We're going to be acute. We're going to be keen. We're going to be ready. We're going to see it all. We're going to have the vision because God's just going to, God's not going to do that. He, he has chosen not to do it that way. He makes us prepare. You can't just do it on a Sunday morning for just a little while. You're going to have to decide I've got to get ready because I've got a spiritual battle to face if I'm going to have the dream in my life. Thank God. I've got a mom Listen, I got a mom, when, when uh, I was a kid, my mom and, and her three sisters, they all married guys that weren't Christians, that didn't go to church, all, all, every one of them. And um, my mom, and especially my mom's older sister, they, they used to be, I mean, they used to really call out to God in their prayer. Now, I can remember, sometimes the door would be open, sometimes the door would be closed. It wouldn't matter. I could still hear my mom kneeling down on her bed and just praying for my dad to be saved and praying that God would protect me and keep me. I remember my, my cousin one time, somebody called to talk to his mom, and I said, is she there? He said, yes, yeah, she's in her bedroom yelling at God. You know, that's what it takes. You're going to have to do some yelling at God. You're going to have to... God already knows what you're walking in. He already knows what you're dealing with, but He wants you to tell Him. He wants you to say, God, I can't handle this without you, and I need the power of your Holy Spirit to move in my, on my behalf. I need the blood of Jesus Christ to, to just bathe everything around me. I want my kids to be in heaven. I want my marriage to be what it's supposed to be. I want my finances to work out again. I want my health to be what it's supposed to be, and, and just calling on God and getting yourself ready and preparing and pushing and going. You're going to have to do that if you get it because I want us to go on because we've got to own this thing it's not just enough to have a dream you got to own the dream not to just have somebody tell you here's the dream here's how it's got you got to own the dream somebody's got to own the dream I mean anybody here ever ever started a business 
You know, there might be a lot of people that help you. Somebody might do some of the graphic work for you, getting your business cards ready, and somebody else might do But for you starting a business, you've got to own the dream. That's where I'm at. This thing, you know, there's, I guess there's a lot of days, you know, you kind of just say you want to kind of quit, but it's like this church 2911. It's like I own it and it owns me. There's something about it that, can't make, that makes me never want to quit. I can't back off. I can't slow down. Somebody's got to own the dream. And it's not enough for just the pastor to own the dream. We've got to have some other people own the dream as well. We need some champions to step up and be Caleb's and say, wait a minute, this is my dream too because I want my kids to know what God is dreaming for them. When I get married, I want my spouse to know what God is dreaming for them. When we grow up and we have children, I want our children to know what God is dreaming. I've got to own this thing. And he owned it. How do you own it? Hey, let's look. Back to our scriptures. Now give me this hill credit. This is the same speech. I mean, this is the same uh, thing that he's telling Joshua. We're just running right down the scriptures. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself, Joshua, you remember that the Anakites, that's the giant people, heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. If you're going to own it, first thing you got to do is take it. You know, I, if I had a gift right here for you and say, this is your gift, as long as it's my hand, it's not yours, is it? Got your name on it. I bought it for you. Had you in mind, but it's still in my hand. What do you got to do? you got to come get it. God said that hill country is yours, but it wasn't Caleb's yet. His name wasn't on the mailbox. Why? Because he hadn't gone to get it. He had to go get it. He had to take it. And how did he have to take it? He didn't show up and say, hey, I'm here. You know, God probably told y'all I was coming, so it's time for y'all to move. Uh Uh-uh. He had to gird up his sword. He had to get his boys together, his servants together, his nephews together, and they strapped every one of them down with a sword. He said, we're going to get our hill country, boys. And they had to go and they had to take it by force. If you want the dream to happen in your life, some of you need to hear me on this, you're going to have to start praying real prayers. You're going to have to quit praying those little five and dime ones, you know. Now I lay me down to sleep. You're going to have to quit praying those little ones that, the de- that you don't even, you even woke up the devil yet with some of those kinds of prayers. The little prayers we pray, we say, oh, I forgot to pray and I'm going to bed already. Uh, God, uh, heal everybody, save everybody, deliver everybody, da, 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 you know, all that. And I'll see you in the morning. God, you're going to have to quit. If you want the dream, you're going to have to own the dream. You're going to have to take the dream. And to take the dream, it's going to take more. There were giants in the land. He had to forcefully come against the giants and take the We need some dads. Mm, God help me right here. We need some dads to start taking back the property. We need some granddads to step back up into their right place and say, God, this is where my family belongs. And in the name of Jesus, I'm taking it. I plead the blood of Jesus. I call upon the power of Jesus by the, by the promises of the word of God, by the power of the, call on all of it. Take every, every, you know, pull out the sword of the spirit and get the, get the shield of, of, of uh, faith. Take every one of the weapons that God has given you and throw them at the devil and say, this is the dream that God has given to me and we're going to have it forcefully take it by force with prayer, pleading the blood, of fasting, whatever it takes. And once you do that, if you want to live the dream, whatever it took to get the dream, it's going to take to live the dream. 
Just like we talked about last week when we were talking about the blessings. We were talking about when Caleb got his property and he ran the giants off. He didn't kill them, did he? He ran them off. And so it was important for him to pass it down to his kids because what was going to happen is eventually those giants were going to say, wait a minute. They were going to keep their eyes on Caleb. And all he had to do was wait for Caleb to just get a, get a little relaxed, a little lazy, a little careless, maybe go to sleep a, a, just a little bit to, to quit sharpening his sword, to quit going back to the places that he'd been. And the giant was going to, that's going to happen to you as well. When you get the dream, when you begin to take the dream, what it took to get the dream, it's going to take to hang on to the dream because your giant, whatever's standing in the way of God's dream in your life, is going to keep coming back. Oh, he, he's not going off forever. He's going to come back. You've got to keep praying. You've got to keep pleading the blood. You've got to keep, you've got to keep pulling out every weapon that you've got and keep throwing at. And he said, man, that sounds tiring. Well, the only other option is, is to give up and let the devil have his way with your life, with your future, with your family, with your, with your marriage, with your kids, with your finances. And so you can do that or you can say no I'm going to be a man every day that I wake up I'm going to call on his name every day that I'm alive I'm going to speak in the name of Jesus every day that I'm alive I'm going to plead his blood I'm going to call every member of my family I'm going to call their names out and I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus over their life and I'm going to remind Satan that God has a dream for me and that dream is going to be fulfilled amen let me tell you something you got to do T.D. Jake said you need to find somebody that is where you want to be and move into their neighborhood. Now, he wasn't speaking physically. He was speaking spiritually, metaphorically. When you, you need to find somebody who is doing what you, it amazes me. And I, I, don't, I don't want to offend anybody, so I'm going to try to not say too much and, and, and get you to understand maybe some of the people I might be talking because I don't even know if it's really happening around here or not, but in the moment I might think of some situation. But it has amazed me, pastoring for 16 years, it has amazed me to see somebody go and get counseling from somebody whose life is falling apart. I mean, come on, people. If you want to know how to raise your kids, don't talk to Michael Lohan, Lindsay's dad. You know, if you want to know how to raise your kids, don't even talk to Billy Ray Cyrus. Some of the comments he's made over the past few weeks, uh-uh. You know, let me tell you something. If my son, who is grown and about to get married, and my daughter, who is married, has a kid, another kid on the way, if they came in one day and they told my wife, I'm thinking about doing what Miley Cyrus just said she's thinking about doing, let me tell you something. My wife's not going to say, well... They're adults. And they can do what they, uh-uh. If they get out of the house. When they get out of the house, this lady's going to prayer. And the same prayer that it took to get her kids under the blood, she's about to start praying that prayer again. Let me tell you something. If you want to find, some, if you want to find somebody to help, you know, somebody to model your relationship with your kids after, don't find somebody that's messing it up. Man, move into a neighborhood where somebody's doing it right. I'm talking about, you know, spiritually speaking, find somebody who's already got their kids raised and they raised them right and they're in church and they're seeking after God. Move into that neighborhood. You know, if your marriage isn't what it's supposed to be, you know, don't seek out Larry King. I think he's on his ninth. I think he's, maybe his ninth is breaking up now and he's already looking at his tenth. I mean, that's not, you don't, you don't want to be in Larry King's neighborhood if you're trying to fix your marriage. Find somebody that's got a good one. 
Find somebody that, that's hanging on through the, through the, the bumps and the, uh, the ups and the downs. Somebody that's still got the strength. Find somebody like that and move into that neighborhood and say, that's what I want to pattern my marriage after. I mean, come on here. I mean, we're, we're foolish. And I've watched you do it. Yeah, I've watched a few of you do it. We're taking advice from the wrong people. You need to find somebody that can help you pray. Find some, you only confide in somebody. Find somebody who'll keep their mouth shut until they're talking to God. And doesn't know how to talk behind your back. Oh, goodness, now I am meddling. Lord, help me. Help me meddle, Lord. Just help me do it spiritually and righteously. But you need to find somebody that's not interested in sharing your story with anybody else but God. You need to find somebody that knows how to get a hold. As we used to talk about in the Old Testament, they'd get a hold of the horns of the altar and hang on until they got. You need to find, if you want to find a prayer partner, find someone like that. It can help you hang on until you've got the strength to go win your battle and win your victory. Come on, Jamie. Let me wrap this up. Go back to that. I want to go back to that verse again, Mike. Last verse. The, 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 very, the bottom line. Can you read that bottom line there with me? What is it? Look at those words. He followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. With all of his heart, he followed God. That part that loves college football. Is there, is there any college football fans in this house besides me? That part that loves college football has to follow God too. What's your sport? What's your favorite hobby? Started to tell you what mine was. I think, man, but that's that's one of my that's one of my uh, one of my answers. You know that you got to give on some websites. You know when it asks you for something, I just tell you. I've written down my favorite hobby is Brooklyn, my, my little granddaughter, twenty month old. You know. What's your favorite hobby? What's the favorite thing you do? What is that thing? Even that has to follow God. I, I, some of you are dating and you're dating fairly seriously. I got to tell you, that part that really likes that person you're hanging out with, that part has to wholly follow God too. Every part of your, to have the dream that God wants to put into your life, Every bit of it has to wholly follow God. Financial decisions, it has to wholly follow God. Because see, every time you don't, you mess up the dream. And the dream can still happen. But you've got to fight your way back through all that mess of all the decisions. It all has to follow God. Stand with me, if you will. You know, what I really like to do, and I, I do this probably more services than not, I really like to invite everybody to come forward, but I don't do that. don't want to do that this morning. I knew this some time ago. I'm not going to, preparing this message, that we're not going to come forward like that. Because I want everybody, I want everybody to have the dream, but you can't have it just because the pastor wants you to have it. So if I invite you forward and you come because I invited you, then that's not going to help you get the dream. But somebody, I told you at the very beginning of this message, somebody needs to be saying, I've got to have this dream. 
I got to have the God of the universe show up in my life. I got to have this dream, not just for me, but for the people around me, people that are close to me, the people that I care about. I got to have this dream. I want to pray pray over you. I I want us to have a closing prayer right here in this prayer area. And I want God, I want God to bring the dream into every every life. I mean, that's that's, this this message, that's what we're about, this church is about. It's want people to live the dream. Quit living the junk. You're dealing with the junk long enough. Come on, live the dream. Quit bringing more junk into your life. Live the dream. I want you to live the dream. I want to pray with you right now to live the dream. I want to believe with you this week that you're going to start living the dream. That you're going to start owning it. But before you, before you have this pastor's prayer today for the dream, you've got to say, I want the dream in my life. I want God's dream completely and totally in my life. And if you want that, then come to the front. Come, come on to the front with me. Come on. Come on. I want all of the dream. I want it all. I think everybody in the 9 a.m. service came. I'm telling you, what I'm telling you is that this is, this is for Christians and non-Christians. This is for all of us. But you got to say, I want the dream. Come on, step forward if you will.